All right, good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? It's good. Oh, wow. It's a little <laughs> underwhelming, isn't it? It's fine. Seems like this section's doing a little better than this section. And this section, good morning. It's Sunday morning. It's, it's 10 o'clock. Drink some more coffee next time. Maybe that'll, that'll help. All right, let's try again. How are you doing this morning? Okay, it's better. All right, I'll take it. Well, listen, here's what we get to do today. Today is Vision Sunday, and it's, and it's a really fun day. Uh, the reason it looks like a living room up here is because uh, after I do a little bit of who we are as a church, the staff is going to come up and, and just kind of share what God is doing in and through the different areas of ministry that they're responsible for. And so, so it's a lot of fun, but, but, but my job is to step back a little bit and remind us of who we are as a church. And so with that, I want to start off with what our purpose statement is, mission statement, and vision statement. And before you fall asleep, just know I'll do that part really fast, all right? Because I know you hear that stuff and you're like, oh gosh, all right? But just so we're all knowing who we are as a church. If you're a person joining us either in person or or online, and um, church is new for you, right? Like Jesus is new for you. Um, You haven't been to church in a long time. For you, here's what I hope happens. I I hope that we are a place of hope for you, a place of healing and a place of inspiration. And that is for anyone and everyone who engages with us as a church. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus and you're here, this is our mission statement. Our mission statement for you as a follower of Jesus here at Fellowship Asheville, is that we are disciple-making disciples. Like, we want to be discipled in the ways of Jesus, and we want to disciple and teach and train others in the way of Jesus. And, and what we hope happens as a result of that is that as a church, for those people who call Fellowship Asheville your church, that we are a gospel-centered church, that we are centered on the teachings and life of Jesus. And that our job is to create environments where life change happens. Like, if you are here at Fellowship Asheville for a year, we want you to walk in more faith and trust with Jesus a year from now than you are today. And if that happens, that is a success for us. We can't figure out how to measure that, but if it happens, it is a success for us. And today, I hope we understand more of who we are as a church and what who God is calling us to be as a church. Now, if you've been here for a little while, if you're a member or a tender fellowship or in a growth group, uh, starting about six or seven months ago, you got a monthly survey where we asked questions uh, to kind of gauge some data points, and then we asked questions that are more narrative in their answers. As elders, we haven't sorted through all the narrative answers, but we do have um, some stuff on the, the specific data answers, which I think, I think is kind of interesting. Because of this data, we're not ready to announce any big plans yet, like there's no big reveals today or anything, but, but based on the, on the data from the survey, but I still thought it was interesting. Um, and so what we'll do is I'll just go through this real fast uh, and, and just see that, just so we can see kind of where we are as a church. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to do this type of survey or at least a variation of it every year so we can gauge areas of growth. And you'll see what I'm talking about. So of those people who filled out the survey, 89% of those uh, that filled out the survey said that they engage either online or in person every week. It's a pretty good percentage. 80% of those who engage, in, uh, who engage online do so at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. So that means we can all turn around and wave to them because they're watching right now, right? That's what that means. <clears throat> 53% reported to not listen or watch a service if they miss it, right? So for that percentage that doesn't engage at some point during the week, they just kind of say, I'll pick it up next time, right? 53% do that. 67% of those who call Fellowship Asheville home read their Bible every day or a few times a week. A hundred per- I thought this was interesting. Now, you may disagree, but you didn't fill out the survey. A hundred percent of people feel like they can trust the elders and staff, which I think is really, really cool. And then a hundred percent of people feel like they can connect with the staff or elders if a need arises. I think both of those are really encouraging. Right? Right? Like, yes. 
80% are satisfied uh, or moderately satisfied with their prayer life. I think that's pretty good, right? 70% though do not have a rhythm of fasting in their life. Only four people reported fasting weekly or monthly out of, out of all those surveys, well, all those who filled out the survey. Um, where was I? 70%. Uh, 50% actively enter relationships and environments uh, with non-believers to demonstrate what a life with Jesus can be. That one concerns me a little bit because you know what that means? 50% of us don't enter relationships or environments with non-believers. That concerns me. 84% seldom or never share their story of following Jesus to those who aren't following Jesus. That's a little concerning. 71% say that they have someone discipling or mentoring them, which is good. I love that. 59% though are not discipling or mentoring anyone. Right? So it's like, it's like there's a little, a little, little blockage there in I will be discipled, but discipling someone else, there's, that's not my thing. 94% give regularly and consistently to Fellowship Asheville. 86% give to Christian organizations outside of Fellowship Asheville. I thought that was really cool too, that we're living a generous life, not just tithing to the church because that's what we're supposed to do, but we're living in generosity and giving to organizations outside of Fellowship Asheville too. And then, I thought this one was really great too, 77% volunteer at least once a month at Fellowship. Right, that's really good. And so just some, some trends in that, that Sunday volunteering is awesome. A lot of churches, the, the, the ratio is 20% of people do 80% of the work. Have y'all heard that before? What we're seeing at Fellowship is that really 80% of the people are involved sharing the load of, of, of Sunday morning, which is really cool. Um, over 90% of us are in, are report to being engaged weekly and giving regularly, which is great. The fact that 100% of people can trust the elders and contact, feel like they can contact the staff if a needs arise, I think that that's great. We read our Bibles and we seem to be praying well. Like, that's really good. But I think we would be well served in the days ahead to focus on fasting as a spiritual discipline. What does that look like for us as a church? And we would be well served to focus on discipleship. Not just being discipled, but discipling others. And like I said, there's no big plans around these yet. These are just things that we noticed from the, the survey. And so with all that, the question is, how do we move forward? Well, here's the deal. I think for us to move forward and to be the church that God is calling us to be, that we must first understand what it means to actually be the church, right? Like I say that all the time. I love being the church with you, and I really, really do. But what does that actually mean? And here's why this is important. Because I believe who we are is the greatest indicator of where we can go. Right? Who we are as a church is the greatest indicator of where we can go uh, as a church. And as a church, it's important for us to have a very clear understanding of who we are. Because this will determine not only where we go, but how far we go with the Lord. Like, God can have great plans for us. Right? But if we are a church of Jesus followers, not actively following Jesus, that's a problem, <laughs> right? God can't and won't use us if we're not surrendered as a church to him, right? If we're not ready to hear him and obey him, how can we follow him? So with this in mind, I want to help us know who we are as a church and give us a really simple task for the next 19, 20 days ahead of us. And I want us to look at Acts, uh, because Acts is this really interesting book of the Bible. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 40. I am going to, and 42, I am going to put it up here in just a minute. But, but if you want, you can go ahead and open your Bible to it. Here's what's interesting about the book of Acts. The, books, the book of Acts is kind of like a history book in literature of the, old, of, of the New Testament. Like in, in your Bible, there are different genres of literature. There's poetry, there's history, there's prophecy. And Acts is one of those books of history. And, and it's written to show when the Holy Spirit empowered the church, what happened then? How did the church move to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth? And so, so with that, it is this, this descriptive book of how the gospel spread out from Jerusalem, but it's also written 
to show us how the Spirit, the Holy Spirit moves in and through the church and in and through a group of people. And so Acts, the book of Acts, is both descriptive, it tells us what happened, but it's prescriptive. In some places, it shows us what to do and it shows us who to be. The task in studying Acts is to know the difference between those two, right? To know the difference between is this telling us something that happened or is this something for us to pursue, right? But I think what we're going to look at today is one of those things that is descriptive of the church here. And it it is what the Lord was wanting for us to be a church together. And so Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says this, and I think it'll be up on the screen. It says, they, meaning the Jesus followers there, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All right, and so real quickly, before we get to staff up, there's just five things I want to highlight from this. And the first one is that word devoted, like they devoted themselves. What's interesting, in the, in the Greek, this, this word means to be committed to something day in and day out, to be committed to something every day of the week is what, what we can think of it like. Like, like. like they didn't see what they were doing as a season of life. They didn't see something that they were doing as this passing Jesus fad, you know, like, like they were saying, and, hey, we are in this fully. And that's what devoted means. And Acts show us, shows us how these devoted people to what Jesus is doing uh, function together. And, and the way they function together is they knew that each person that was there had this role. And it's more than volunteering, right? Which is great. We have 77, almost 80% of people that volunteer at least once a month at fellowship. That's great. This word devoted, though, means something more than that, Right? It means that they were committed. And for us to be the church that I believe we are and that God is calling us to be is is, is to be devoted to one another so that together we are a community of Jesus followers. And y'all, there is a lot to unpack with that. Like, like that means we understand that we are all growing together in Jesus and we all approach Jesus in different ways and we are in different seasons of our own maturity. But in the midst of all that, this verse also shows us like how that functionally works out, right? Right? But we have to understand where our commitment starts, that our commitment starts with Jesus first, Right? We commit to following Jesus. And y'all, like, hear me. If we do that, everything else falls into place. Everything else falls into place. If we commit to, to living as Jesus teaches us to live, right? If we commit to, to the kingdom of God that, that, that he talked about, everything else falls into place. And it's easy. One of the things that makes Acts difficult is that it's easy to romanticize the early church. Like you see 3,000 people come to faith in one day. Yay! Until like you have to lead 3,000 people that weren't there the day before. Right? <laughs> Who just literally heard about Jesus. Now, they have Old Testament, you know, they, they have scriptural knowledge. But what Jesus did is he took so much of their tradition and turned it right side up. Because over the, the centuries, they had turned it upside down and inside out and all kinds of wonky. And he, he, he fixed that. And it's easy to romanticize that and to say, man, I bet they didn't have conflict. Oh, they did. That's what the rest of the New Testament is written about, by the way. <laughs> right? They didn't have error. No, someone actually died for lying to God. Like, they did have error in the church. That's also what the rest of the New Testament is about, is fixing those errors. Did they have sin in the church? Yeah, they did. But you know what else they had? The same thing we do. The Holy Spirit in them and in the the body of believers working in them and through them to be better. Right? Right? to give them direction when needed, to give them discipline when needed, to give them doctrine when needed, and because another D is probably necessary, to give them a big dose of patience when needed, right? And at fellowship, we strive for this kind of devotion to each other. Now, that's the first one. Let's go through the other four real quick because the other four are simply this. This is what they devoted themselves to and how this practically worked out. It worked out in four specific ways. It worked out in learning, loving, worshiping, and praying, right? They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. 
In other words, these apostles were men and women who were with Jesus during his ministry and, and witnessed his resurrection. That's the definition of an apostle. And they heard Jesus declare his great commission that go, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And Jesus gave them this promise, and I will be with you every step of the way. And then you fast forward and Paul writes in Ephesians, Ephesians 2.20, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. That's what the church is built on. The foundation of the apostles and the prophets, right? And as a community of Jesus followers, we're committed to, 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 to the teaching of Jesus. We're committing to learning and adjusting our lives to the truth of Jesus and his kingdom. And so as a church, we are a community of Jesus followers. It means we're not a community of following other things. We are a community of following Jesus, right? And this means, y'all, that we are all going to be challenged by the teachings of Jesus. There will be times where we're where mad or I, or if we have somebody else preaching, we'll preach God's word, and you will look at it and be like, What's, has that always been in here? Right? That's what Jesus does to us, is he changes us. Right? And as your pastor, oh, that brings me such joy when Jesus changes me and when I see him changing you. In Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish each other with all wisdom. And so this teaching and learning from Jesus isn't just one way. It is two ways. We get to do this together. Right? But the deal is we're not just um, uh, an academy of intellects. Right? Parsing out the, the, the Greek and Aramaic to see what, the, what all that is. Right? We love each other well, right? And they devoted themselves to fellowship. And that word is koinonia, and it means to have everything in common, which means those that had a lot lived generously with those who didn't. And those who didn't have much still gave to those who were still less than them. But it wasn't about money. What it meant, too, is that they looked out for each other. Like, you go back in history, and you see the things that the church did. Like, even during the, the, Bublon, the, the Black Plague, like, the church was going into places where, where the, the bubonic plague had, like, ravished areas, and they were taking children and adopting them because their parents had died. Like, they did that to love their community. They did that to love one another. And they did this without, without shame, I think. Right? Because they were all trying to figure this out together as they went. And so we are a, com a loving community of Jesus followers. We're not only committed to Jesus, we are committed to being a loving community of Jesus followers. Jesus came in grace and truth. And y'all, for God to do what God wants to do in and through us, we have to be the same. Truth, absolutely. Grace, abundantly. Abundantly. And what this means is that gossip and slander and malicious talk has no place among us. None. Because that destroys a community. Not just a community of believers, it destroys any community. Instead, we assume the best and we have conversations. Because we are all in this together and we are figuring it out together. And y'all, this is at the core and heart of fellowship. We're about healthy relationships. They also devoted themselves to breaking bread together. I love that one. Right? Especially in this month where we're talking about fasting uh, in our Practicing the Way group. Which, by the way, where, where are y'all? We started... We started with, what, 60 people in that thing that signed up? We started talking about fasting. How many of y'all have that? Because when I, when I was here last week, I was in Texas taking care of my mom last week. But the week before, a whole 12 of you showed up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Had a little more this week, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. The survey is showing us what's really happening. A lot of us don't even want to talk about fasting. And y'all, I will be first in that line. I love feasting. Fasting? Eh. 
But what they did is they broke bread together every day. And that means that they did share a meal together. They shared the Lord's, the Lord's Supper together. But they did it every day like they would gather together. And y'all, it was, more about, it, was, it was less about the meal and more about what was happening at the meal. That it was an opportunity for worship and an opportunity to build relationships and an opportunity to enjoy fellowship. But mostly it was about worship. They worshiped Jesus. And they used that time every week to align their lives to the death and resurrection of Jesus, right? And so we are a worshiping community of Jesus followers. And what does that look like for us on Sunday? Yes, it looks like engagement. We've got that down. But it also might look like being in a group with other Jesus followers, working through this. This semester, we're going to be going through Colossians. We're going to be teaching on it. We're going to be uh, talking about it in, in our groups. And so that's one way to kind of experience this worshiping together in groups. But it could also mean you get a group of Jesus followers together and and create something on your own. Like, that's cool, right? You don't have to do our system. I think our system is pretty good. I mean, it's fun. I enjoy it's an area of discipleship for us. But I'm not worried. If you are in a group of people worshiping Jesus together, great. Let us be a resource for that. Matt and I have even toyed with the idea of what does it look like to open up the, the sanctuary like during the week, during the lunchtime, and let people just come in here and pray during their lunch break. Like, wouldn't that be interesting just to have a space to get away and come and pray? And that's what else they did together is they prayed together. And here's what's interesting about prayer. Prayer can be the most intimate part of a relationship or it can be the most mundane part of a relationship. Right? The difference between those is you and me. That's the difference. The difference between the Lord's prayer being recited as just words and the Lord's prayer being, being spoken as a prayer to the eternal God is the faith we put behind those words. And we are a praying community of Jesus' followers. And y'all, for us to go where Jesus is leading us, I truly believe we do need to be learning and loving and worshiping and praying together in community. And if not, none of this works. And here's what I need you to know, church. I know this does work. And how do I know? Because in so many ways, we are these people. We are this community. We are a community who learns together. We are a community who, who loves each other well and tries to figure out how to love each other better. We worship together. We pray together. We are this way in so many ways. Are we perfect at it? We were until you and I showed up. Right? But when you and I got here, things, things, things went sideways. And so imperfectly, as humans are, as we are, we figure out how to follow a perfect God. And that's what we are devoting ourselves to, that since we are in this together, we devote ourselves to, to learning and loving and worshiping and praying together. And I have a very simple request for us. We have a vision statement. It's called the present future statement because it's written in present tense, but a lot of it is future tense that's going to become present tense at some point. And that's on our website. And it has, I think, 19 or 20 different points to it. And what you're going to get over the next 19 to 20 days is you're going to get an email with just one of those bullet points. And I invite you to pray for that thing. Ask God if you need to be a part of that part of our vision statement to see it come to fruition. Right? And, 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 and just join us in praying for what God is doing in and through this church. And if you don't get those emails, there should be a QR code somewhere in front of you. If you, if you use your phone on your camera and go to that, it'll take you to our website. You can fill out a, a contact form so we can get your email and we'll get you on those. But that's a very tangible way we can begin doing this together, right? Now, with that, I'm going to invite the staff up because I want y'all to hear from them. Uh, now, this is the setup that we have in uh, what we call our situation room back here. And um, it is, uh, we have a lot of fun on these couches and chairs. We laugh with each other. Uh, we cry with each other. Um, we, so some of that may come out, um, particularly because I have a mic. Um, I told him, I said, I might go into talk show mode and just ask you some questions as you talk. Um, I will, and, and I said, so brace yourself. And Carol said, brace yourself for the answer. Um, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, Carol, you take off. So part of my role here at Fellowship, I kind of wear two hats. I do graphics and communication, and then I also do children's ministry, and that's my passion. And so each Sunday, we want kids to know who God is, how much he loves them, and to help them discover their part in his story. Um, we believe that when kids, and really adults as well, put their faith and trust in Jesus, that life is better. And I don't mean that like every day is rainbow and butterflies, but when you're going through the highs and lows in life, um, that we can trust that God has a plan for that and that he desires us to come into relationship with him. And so um, we have some values and fellowship kids I just wanted to share with y'all. We do so much more than just babysitting. It's ministry. It's a ministry to the family, um, but it's a ministry to kids. And uh, first of all, like in fellowship kids, everything that we do is gospel-centered. So we want kids to know that God loves them, that he created him, them, and that he has a plan for their life, that he died on the cross for their sins, the things that we do that are wrong, so that we could have a relationship with them. We know that um, some kids, they may come to visit and they may not show up again. And so every Sunday in our elementary grades, we share this truth because we want all kids to know what Jesus did for them. Mm. And then everything we do in Fellowship Kids is age appropriate. So we present our, the Bible and our teaching time in a way that engages kids in different learning styles. And so we have some exciting things coming up. September 3rd, our kids are moving up to their current grades, and we're launching a new room in the fall. And so we're going to have a third, fourth, and fifth grade room. Um, the teaching's going to be slightly different. Um, so we're really praying to, for volunteers to help make this happen. Um, but we really feel that God is leading us in this direction, and we're excited about it. Um, we want the, the, one of our values is that we want kids to know that the Bible is relevant. It's relevant to them now, that this book that was written so long ago is relevant to their lives. Those truths apply to them and to their culture today. Um, safety is also one of our values. Um, we provide environments that are physically, emotionally, and spiritually fit safe. And then we also want to make sure, and this is really important, that it's fun. We want kids to love coming to church. I have heard families come up to me and say, our kids drug us to church today. And that's exactly what we want. Um, we want them to have a great time. We want them to know that they're loved by volunteers. Um, and so some of the ways that we do that is our large group is the time in which we present the Bible. And we, we have some fun things that we do in there. But the heart of our ministry is our small groups. And so those kids are put into small groups that are um, within their age groups, and those volunteers do such a great job um, applying the Bible and what they heard that day um, to their lives. Um, so we have some ways in which we partner with families here. One is preschool through elementary. We encourage scripture memory. And so we have one Bible verse throughout the whole month. And it's really our heart that our kids start having God's word um, in their hearts and in their minds. Um, I don't know about you, but like I can memorize a Bible verse now and I may not remember it next week, you know, or later today. But <laughs> kids, like, there's something so wonderful about the way the kids' memories work that sometimes these kids, the things that they learn when they're young, they can remember into their older years. So mm -hmm. scripture memory is very important. Um, our FK junior, Stephanie Quigley, does a fantastic job of loving our, our younger kids. So she watches, she is over our nursery through preschool. And so she has these awesome little take-home bags for kids and families, and they have crafts in them and just some ways that you can bridge what they learned on Sundays into your homes during the week. And then at Fellowship Kids, we have these things, they're called God Time Pages, and what they are are weekly devotionals. They have four days worth of just quick little activities to do in the home, but it's our hope that kids start learning and take initiative to um, have the practice of spending time with God daily. 
And then another way that we partner with families is through events. So throughout the year, we do some things with families so that families can start meeting one another and kids can start developing relationships outside of Sunday mornings. Our next one is we are having a picnic across the street at Murphy Oakley Park, September 10th, and we're pretty excited about that. And then if you are a family and you're sitting here, um, one ways I'd like to encourage you is, you know, have your kids bring their friends over after, like hang out afterwards, go to lunch together, um, get to know one another outside of Sunday mornings. And really, we would love to talk to you more about serving in children's ministry. Um, we will be available at the back table after service. Um, in order to do this, we need people that are willing and gifted to share the love of Christ with these kids. Thank you for your time. Hold on. Hold on. Keep the mic. Um, okay, question I have for you. Okay, what y'all don't probably know is the amount of work that it takes to do what Carol does in children's ministry, from recruiting volunteers, training those volunteers, scheduling those volunteers, creating creative environments for the children to, to hear about the gospel. Um, she does this incredible job of, of like creating these tangible things too. Like this summer was water bottles with stickers as they, as they memorize the verses. So, so there's a whole lot of work that goes into it. But Carol, for you, when, what is the moment when you go, okay, all of this work was worth it? Like what is the win for you? Um, sometimes it can just be something really easy. And so like I would say a few weeks ago, um, we were sharing the Bible story, it was a large group, you know, and this kid raises his hand and he says, will you pray for my uncle? You know, so to me, those are huge wins because I am seeing that um, the Lord is working through these stories, working through his relationship with them, working through his families, and it's impacting them to think of praying for others. So um, having kids come in excited, like when they see the new stage and their, you know, their faces light up, that's a big joy. Um, seeing them connect and have fun, but just to see the Lord working through them and um, seeing them become Christ followers. Yeah, yep. that's great. Thanks, Carol. All right, Nathan. All right. Is this unmuted now? Great. No. <coughs> yeah, oh, we're good. great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Nathan's great. on so, some pain, a pain reliever right now for his back, so there's no telling what's about that's to happen. That's true. I've been, I've been actively <laughs> taking prednisone, so um, the rumbly bumblies is kind of going on. <laughs> So, but that's all right. So I figured I'd start off with a joke because I like jokes. Okay, y'all ready for this? Just to uh, release some tension in here. All right. Who is, this is a dad joke, who is the shortest person in the Bible? Anyone want to guess? Yep. Wrong. Not Zacchaeus. It's Nehemiah. Get it? Ha. <laughs> <laughs> this is a dad joke for you all. Okay, there we go. Okay, yeah, cool. That's a good one. Great. Tension, ice, Broken. All right, I'm the new guy on staff. Um, yes. Okay. Thank you. All right, yeah. So I'm the new guy on staff. I'm the new uh, FSM director um, here. And so it's been a great honor so far in these past three months to kind of, kind of take this on-ramp and this experience, um, you know, kind of coming in and kind of learning the culture uh, here at, at Fellowship. And Taking this three months as I've begun to, uh, to kind of pray and see uh, and, and seek out God's guidance for where he wants to take FSM, one thing has become uh, very apparent. And that's part of also, you know, the vision that, that Fred was kind of talking about uh, earlier. But one of the things that I think God really wants and has laid on my heart to do is to create that, uh, that gospel-centered community where students can come from any stage, any walk uh, of their life, and they can come in, they can uh, seek the Lord without being judged, and they can grow in their relationship uh, with Jesus. And so whenever you kind of look at that kind of, uh, I know that's a little bit broader, when you look at that sentence and that kind of statement, you know, one of the things that's become apparent to me is, like, how do, we, how do we get that? Like, how do we build that solid foundation, you know, especially just kind of starting up and uh, kind of building, building, building up FSM? Um, and so obviously, first and foremost, again, as Christ said, like, Jesus is the foundation. He's the cornerstone of our faith. And so everything that we're going to be doing at FSM uh, is going to have and it's going to tie back to the gospel, uh, you know, of, of Jesus. And so, you know, like, as we create this community, like, these three things kind of come to mind. When I'm looking at uh, Jesus and the way he, 
um, the way he did ministry and the way that he, uh, he taught. Like uh, the, these three things came to mind. He engaged people where they were, uh, where they were at. Uh, he taught them about himself uh, and the kingdom of God. And then he served. He served people. And so, you know, at FSM, what we want to do, we want to engage students where they're at, uh, no matter where they're at, where they're from, whatever, whatever stage they're at in life. We want to expose them. We want to teach them about Jesus. We want to teach them about the gospel. We want to talk to them about the kingdom of God. And we want to equip them to serve Christ and his kingdom. Uh, and whenever you kind of look at that, and as that kind of continues to break down, that, that increases some more elements, right? That includes, uh, you know, opportunities of fellowship and uh, outreach, uh, that's going to have opportunities for discipleship and worship. And that's going to have opportunities to serve, uh, which one, that's side note, cool thing that I, I love seeing a lot of our students do already is they are plugged in here. They're plugged in here. They're serving, uh, you know, they're, they're being a part of, they're being the body, uh, you know, of Christ and they're, they're, they're serving the church and that's really encouraging to see. Uh, but then also got on, on mission. And so uh, we are, uh, we're, we're building that calendar that, that reflects those um, you know, we've talked with, uh, with the, FS team, the FSM team that we have, uh, and they're excited, uh, you know, about what, what we have coming up um, kind of on the calendar. That still needs to get finalized. But uh, just the things that, because I have to talk with Fred first, because Fred's like, you know, hey, like, make sure, Fred, <laughs> make sure, whatever you do at the very end, like, you know, hey, make sure to talk to me before, before we get all this stuff rolling. So, but we're, we, are, we are excited, and everything on that calendar is going to have one of those elements, in, in, engagement, exposure to the gospel, or equipping. So we're going to have... Uh, opportunities to where, um, you know, we're going to have some, some fellowship or outreach opportunities, like a great one would be today if you want to come to the pool party. Uh, one of the things that we're t- talking about doing is maybe doing a, a, a ski trip, things of that nature. Um, and kind of like this is the really cool thing because now you're going to get me on a tangent because I really love talking about this kind of stuff. And I'm talking real fast now too because, okay, I'll, I'll slow down. That's just me. All right. So, but like whenever you look at like the ski trip, for example, right, you have these different elements and you have, you know, opportunity to fellowship, obviously, right? We're going to get a group of students together uh, and, and hanging out with one another, an opportunity for outreach to invite their lost friends or just their friends to come on a trip. Uh, we're going to have discipleship and worship elements if we go on, uh, you know, like a, a weekend, a weekend long trip. And so like there's these different ways and the, and, and the events and the ways that we can uh, schedule the things that we do are going to uh, incorporate um, you know, these kind of key uh, values and key kind of structures that, that we want to, to instill in, in our students. And so, um, so yeah, so that, that's really exciting. Like, like Carol said, I'll be, at the back of the, I'll be at the back of the table, back of the room to, to talk a little bit more because if you're, if you're interested in, in, in doing that, helping, you know, engage students, you know, being a part of their lives, maybe teaching them or uh, just any way, you just, just let me know. And um, the last thing I want to talk about before Fred asks me another question um, one of the things that I'm also really looking forward to, and this is probably the challenging thing, this is probably the most challenging for me, uh, but I'm really, really excited for this because whenever I came in here, uh, one of the things that I knew that was, was going to be important was partnering with parents. Um, and because, uh, you know, I, I strongly believe that Scripture um, teaches that, that, that you as the parents, the parents are the primary disciples, uh, you know, of your students in the home. And so to come alongside of you uh, you know, as parents to, to help equip you, uh, you know, as you go. Like, if you look at Deuteronomy 6, you know, it talks about, like, this, this modeling of as you go discipleship. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things as I was coming in, like, one of, one of the, uh, like, just kind of, oh, man, I'm going to set up this great thing. It's going to be one cohesive unit. And as I began to talk with Fred, Fred's like, well, why don't you just talk with other parents and see how that goes? And then, so, like, as, as, as it's kind of developed over these past couple of months, and I've been meeting with some parents, and I just kind of talking about, um, you know, parent discipleship in the home. Uh, like, it's not a one-trick pony. It's really not. Like, mm-hmm. each of y'all have different, uh, different rhythms of life and different ways that, um, that you are engaging your students. And so I want to learn about that. I want to learn that from you. I want to be able to, to, to come alongside you in any way that I can. Uh, and so that's going to be one of those exciting things that, that, that kind of develops throughout this year. Um, it's just coming alongside of you as parents, talking with y'all, um, just seeing how, you know, how, how your discipleship rhythm, how your rhythm of life is going, and just how best we can, or how best I can, how best I can serve you. So, so yeah, that was a lot. But yes, good. it was, and because it was a lot, you don't get a question. Next. Oh, great. And don't, Amy, don't you think that if you get long-winded, you don't get a question? I've already got a question for you. Um, 
So my name is Amy and I get to be the Connections Director here. And what Connections means for us as a church is, one, I get to help people connect to the church. And then two, I get to help the church connect to the community, nation, and world. Um, but today, I'm going to talk specifically about connecting people to the church um, because you guys get an update on missions every month um, here in the service. But there's two points because I know we've said a lot of words, so there's two things to focus on that I'm going to talk about, and it will be pretty quick. One is hospitality and why do we do what we do, and two is church membership and why it's important. Um, so first, I just want us to listen um, so like in Matthew 25, 35 through 36, he records the words of Jesus that says, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. So this verse kind of like encompasses the entire Connections ministry, like both of those two things, like in and out of the church. Um, but what I want us to focus on right now is I was a stranger and you comforted me or you welcomed me. So in scripture, there is something seriously called biblical hospitality. Um, and it's a combination of two different words. One being phileo, which is brotherly love, and two being xenos, which is, in scripture, means a stranger. So when Jesus said those words, he was literally asking us to show brotherly love to the stranger. Um, so brotherly love to the people we do not know. Um, so our desire here at Fellowship is for anyone who walks through our doors or joins us online um, to know, 100% know, that you are welcome here, just as you are. And we do that because Jesus loves you, and so do we. Um, so every Sunday I anticipate that this Sunday is going to be someone's first Sunday. Like, I bet there's someone in the room, and this is your first Sunday today, and I prayed for you to be here. Um, we expect it. Like, when I say we, I mean our greeter team, our parking team. We expect you to be here, and we hope that after today you're not going to be strangers anymore. Um, so we do have new people attending each week. Many of you are in the room are, are those people. Actually, all of you are, because at some point, you're new. Um, and we love meeting you. We love greeting you. We love just seeing who you are, seeing you come back like a second, third, fourth time, etc. Um, and I've heard many stories. You've come back because you've genuinely felt welcomed here. And that's not just because of the greeters. It's because it's just a value that we carry as a church from everyone, whether you're on the greeter team or not. Um, and then many of you have been looking for a church home, like, for years, for years and years. And you found fellowship because Jesus led you here, and now you have a church home. And those are stories that we, like, the Connections team, we as a staff, like, we celebrate. Um, because it can be really hard to find a church home for people. Um, even though there's a, a church on every corner, it feels like, like, finding a church home is home, home. Finding a church home is really hard. So we're honored that you've chosen Fellowship Asheville. Um, but the Connections Ministry, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop after attending a potluck or discovery des dessert or lunch. Um, and I really feel like Jesus is calling us as a church into something deeper. Um, so over the last year and a half in my own prayer time and Bible study, I've been wrestling with what church membership really means for us as a church. Um, so, but where I've landed over many conversations um, and prayers is that my hope for us is to have a deeper understanding of what it biblically means to be a covenant family member of a local church and why church membership is important. So some of you in the room have heard that word. We say it a few seconds ago, a minute ago, church membership, and you automatically might think that we're, what we're hoping for is for you to do more, for you to lead a ministry, for you to give more, and maybe that's what God's calling you to do. But I wanna go in and say like that assumption is an unclear picture of what church membership is. Um, church membership is not supposed to be a heavy burden added to your already full plate. Um, in scripture, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, um, Matthew records Jesus saying, Come to me, all who, labor and are, who, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, so we're, we're to come, we are, as bodies, um, believers of Christ, to come together um, to walk with him, just as that verse said. But membership is not about running yourself ragged for the sake of, for the sake of an organization. Mm -hmm. um, John Mark Homer put it this way. It's an invitation not to addition, but to, subtract, but to subtraction, to slow down, simplify your life around, around what really matters, and what you most desire deeply within you. I'm not sure that's something we as a church have heard before. 
Um, so my desire is for us to become a more fully developed disciple of Jesus. Um, being a covenant family member here at Fellowship means that together we stack our hands on the non-negotiables of what we believe and who God's asking us to become. Membership gives us an open door to be committed to one another, just as Fred talked earlier, to be devoted to one another, um, to hold each other accountable, both in the life of the church and in our own personal lives. Um, and it helps us to have honest, healthy relationships and conversations. Um, so membership is important because it's a chance to be exactly what the Bible describes the church to be, a body of believers. Um, so maybe you've been attending a while um, and call fellowship home, but you've never taken that step to become a member um, because maybe you've never really understood the importance of it. Uh, maybe it's just been a church word, and you're like, ah, I don't need that. Um, or maybe you're brand new and you just want to learn more about what this is. You're more than welcome to come talk to me or you can email me, amy at fellowshipashville.com. Okay, hey. so the question for you. Question time. Yeah, question for you is this. Um, it's, it's two questions, but I think you'll be able to do it really quick. You do a lot in your job as well. You spin a lot of plates. Out of those, all the plates that you spin, because she does, you know, connections, she does missions, she's over the building and scheduling and all that stuff. So there's, and we all wear multiple hats. You, you, you've got quite a few that you wear. Out of all the hats that you wear, what part of it excites you the most? What gives you the most life? And then what part of, your, of, of the stuff you're responsible for sucks the most life out of your soul? All right, there we go. <laughs> um, so really what I find the most rewarding and like the most honoring is when people choose to call Fellowship Bashful their home. Um, for instance, like when the first time guest like comes back and it's a second time, and then it's a third time, and then it's a fourth time, and then I hear the stories of people saying like, I've looked for church for years, and God led me here and it feels like home. Like that's what we're to do because I believe in the church. I'm a little biased, yeah. you know, but um, I really do believe that we can be that body of Christ that Jesus is calling us to be. So whenever people come back and call us home, I'm like, okay, that's a win. That's a yeah. win for us as a church. Okay. What part? Sucks me dry yeah. is building maintenance 100%. What is it? Building maintenance. Building maintenance. Building maintenance. Y'all, this is a great building. You'll see, like, whenever Fred um, sends out those 19 to 20 things, that building is one of those. Um, and our goal is to, like, not just use this building for Sunday mornings. Like, we want the halls and the rooms of this place to be filled throughout the week more than Sunday morning. But with that comes a lot of wear and tear with this mm -hmm. building, it's older and it's great and we love it, but it's a lot of work. Um, so that gives me joy when there's other like outside organizations using us or using the building that God's given us, um, but it sucks me dry just to get it all yeah. done. So what so. that means, church, is that if you love working on projects <laughs> and odd jobs in a, in a space, talk to Amy, because we've got a list. And oh, yeah. you have to be good at it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I really do have high expectations yeah. because guests are in the house. Yeah. Brotherly love to the stranger yeah. means good, hospitable, safe, clean yeah. environments. Yeah. yeah. Don't say, I can do electrical work. I've never done it before, but I can do that. Yeah. No, you can't. All right. All right. Yep. Matt. Yep. My name is Matt. I'm the associate pastor. And so uh, primarily that means worship and that means um, helping Fred with some discipleship stuff and, and preaching, teaching more. Um, but looking at worship and the worship ministry today, just kind of wanted to give a little bit of the vision, why we do what we do, and maybe some uh, things we're going to try adding or subtracting in the future in worship. So worship's one of those things that can be as broad as you want it to be, um, but it always is interesting how it comes back primarily to singing. You know, every culture all around the globe for all of history, singing has been really important, right? Like, like. The, the levels of oxytocin and, and things that your brain releases when you gather with a group of people and sing together is, is proof that God made us to gather together and sing. So that, that's one of the big ones. Um, but the vision for the worship ministry as we're looking at it is in Revelation 4 and 5, it, it's, the, it's the vision of the throne room of God. So John the Apostle is taken up and, and as he sees you know the heavenly vision, God on the throne, and as he, he, they kind of walk through this progression of like the history of, of kind of, it's kind of like a shortened version of like the history of God revealing himself to his people. Okay, that's what you get. And there's five songs and there's a progression to it in Revelation 4 and 5. And the first, so the first song is, 
is praising God for who he is. It's just kind of a reality statement of who God is. Uh, the second one is, is a song about who we are as people. You know, so even this morning as I set up the song, I reminded us of who God is. I reminded us of the reality of being human, right? We all have seasons of life where we're broken. Maybe things are happening that's hard. But then the third song is when Jesus is introduced, and it talks about worthy is the lamb. Like, here's Jesus and what he did for us. So, so I try to structure our worship services to kind of go through that, because in the fourth and fifth songs, reiterate what Jesus has done, and then it ends with this kind of like whole like worship time together. So, so that's kind of the vision for it, is as we worship, as we gather as a people in this building, I love the, the intentionality of old church buildings like we're in, like the high vaulted ceiling. You know, you notice if you've been here for a while, the chandeliers are gone because we wanted to think, how can we make this room feel as big as possible? Like as if you're, we're in one of those kind of heavenly throne room visions in, in scriptures. And so then, so then as we're looking at it, what it, what it does uh, is in all of those visions of heaven where people and angels and the cherubim and seraphim are worshiping God, God is always on the throne because worship centers us. Like worship is what we do where we, we're gathered or scattered through the week. We gather together and worshiping God centers us as people, not only just as a reality check, but also as, as a reminder. Like I heard somebody put it recently, like church is a great way to remind us that we're not crazy. Like what we are choosing to believe in following Jesus, that he did what he did. He's accomplished what he's accomplished. He's doing what he's doing. And then he's going to come back and finally fully complete it one day. We're not crazy for thinking that no matter what anyone tells us through the week, right? And that's what worship does when we come together. So the way we do that, obviously, is through song, you know, through scripture reading is important. And, and in the future as we come, we're kind of, as a staff, we've been kind of whiteboarding some ideas of how can we be a little more intentional structuring our time together. Um, so we may, you may start seeing some more consistent elements coming up, um, whether that's, you know, like like standing and reading God's word together out of, you know, physically posturing ourselves to show that we respect it. It might be a, a consistent confession that's part of in, in that Revelation 4 and 5 and all of the times that uh, the, the uh, authors of Scripture had an encounter with God is it was an immediate realization of their brokenness and sin. So, so here's, here might be an, an example of what we might do as a church. You guys ready? We're going we're gonna to practice it together. All right, we're going to say this prayer of confession out loud together. If that makes you uncomfortable, then just know that God has forgiven you because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, okay? So as a group of people, you ready? This is going to be uncomfortable, but this is a good commercial break for us. Wait, get everybody's blood flowing. All the introverts and shy people in the room are terrified right now. All right, we're going to do it, though. You ready? Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought and word and deed, by what I have done and what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart and I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I'm truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen. And the same way Carol was talking about memorizing scripture it becomes a part of that kid's life. For us, what we do, the, if we start repeating things and having, you know, maybe you grew up in a church tradition that has liturgies, has repetitions, what that does, doing this together, one, it forces us to say it out loud, which is important. It externalizes what we believe internally. One, it forces us to hear other people. So what Paul said in Romans 3, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we're not kidding each other, right? Because when, when other people hear you confessing sin and you hear other people confessing sin, we remember that. But then also it says, for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me. And so it centers us. Once again, it centers us on the reality that we are what we are, humans in a broken world and mess up, but the reality is that Jesus did what he did. So, so in the worship ministry, uh, moving forward, that vision of how do we structure this time together, you know, typically, especially when I preach, we get out at like 1110 and everybody gets super antsy. But normally we try to plan like a little over an hour, right at an hour. For, and like how do we use that time to center us so that as we live our life through the week, we can, we can remember that we're not crazy for believing what we believe. So that's the worship ministry.
All right, hold on the mic, because I, I have something, and then I'm going to ask you a question based on what, what, what I've got. Um, I, I said there are no big reveals, and for some of you, this might be a big reveal. For some of you, it might not. But, but when we hired Matt uh, a couple of years ago, we hired him knowing that he would become the lead pastor, and uh, we created a seven-year transition plan. In year five of that is when he becomes the lead pastor, and I stay on staff in some role uh, yet to be determined. It's fun. I get to make it up, which is great fun. But, um, uh, but we knew when we hired him that that was going to happen. If you saw the convo cast that we did with him when we hired him, we mentioned that real quick. Uh, but we are in year three of that process. We started year three. And so part of that process means that he... My goal is to let him have leadership in different areas of ministry so that when he becomes the lead pastor here, he's experienced a lot of the different areas of ministry and leadership to do that. And so what you're going to see is you're going to see he and I do about 50% of the teaching each. You're going to see him more teaching more, uh, which is why having someone come on to help in worship has been really great to be able to free him from that a little bit. And the other reason that we're doing this too is because statistically in churches, the congregation grows older with the lead pastor, right? And, and, and you can look at it statistically that, that as the pastor ages, the congregation is 10 years above and 10 years below that lead pastor. And what happens is if a lead pastor stays or senior pastor, whatever title you use, stays in that role until they're 70 or 80, that church kind of ages out with him. And I love this church and I don't want to see it die. And so with that, it means passing the baton on to another well-equipped leader. And when Matt came into my life, uh, he reached out to t- actually talk about planting another church, which I very quickly swayed him away from. No, um, <laughs> not here in town. He was going to go up to Boone, uh, but, which isn't true. Like, I genuinely wanted the best for him. But as I got to know him, and knowing this is something that I felt like the Lord was doing, it felt like such a great fit. And if you've gotten to know Matt, you know he fits in this staff. Like he has been here since the day one that we started this church, which is, which is great. And if you haven't got a chance to meet him, meet him because he's going to be your lead pastor in a few years. Um, and so, so I wanted to say that. So the question for you is, with all of that, kind of the same question as Amy, a little bit different. What excites you about that and what scares the socks off of you about that? It's all scary. Um, I, you know, what excites me is I love, so um, my, when, when I started processing through, like, what does it mean to be called to ministry? I was in high school, so I had no idea. Like, my brain wasn't even done developing yet. So I, but what I, my dream and, and the consistent prayer Anna and I have had because Ann and I started dating a few weeks after I felt like maybe God wanted me to go into full-time ministry when we were in high school. Our, our prayer has always been, man, we, we want to be at a church and, like, see a kid be born, and, like, I get to do their wedding, and then they attend my funeral, like, in our church, you know? So, so with that, like, the idea of being a a pastor just I love like I love seeing people fall in love with Jesus more walk in faith and grow um, and so I'm excited about that I'm excited to be a part of a church you know because so much it's such a bummer so much of the church world especially in America can feel like a talent agency you know where you're just somewhere until you get a bigger platform or whatever and that's just a bummer for everybody. Like, no one likes it when important people get ripped out of your life for different reasons, you know. So what excites me is the, like, longevity of being in a group of people that feel like family, you know. That's, like, another thing. I wish every Sunday I get on stage and I'm like, man, I wish I forgot to hug them before, you know. Like, one of the hardest parts of being on staff and a pastor on Sunday mornings is having to come up on stage and not being able to be down there and talking to you guys and everything. And the countdown and the times, like, Sometimes I just want to scream. So that excites me. It's just being here long term like, and being a part of, of family with, with everybody. Uh, what, what scares me is I'm a human. I wish I was a robot and I didn't make mistakes. And if my programming worked, that, that I could just do my job perfectly and never say anything stupid or do anything stupid. But the reality is, is I am a human. And, um, 
and I, I grew up, my dad's been a, a pastor my whole life of kind of small town churches. And so, um, so I've seen the reality of, of what it is for a, you know, a person to um, be the one in the leadership position, you know, and a lot of times just becomes the biggest target. So that scares me is just the fact that I'm a human and, and I can, I am as susceptible as anybody else to just being stupid, you know, and so I'm not immune to that. So that, that scares me, but it's like the, it's like the beauty of community in the local church, right? Like the local church, the family of faith, like Amy was talking about, is the place where you hopefully are actually fully, truly known by the people you're worshiping with. And in the same way, you actually fully, truly know them as well. And so um, it's like the paradox of being human, right? We can love each other and we can hurt each other as much as we love each other. And that's a bummer sometimes. Yeah. Well, thanks. So if y'all don't mind, pray for that transition as well, too, over the next few years. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, um, but with that, let's pray because we still get to sing, right? Yeah, okay, let's do it. Jesus, um, uh, this has been fun, and I hope it's been not only informative um, to those who are with us and those who are watching and listening online, but I pray, too, that it has, um, has been a place of hope and healing and inspiration for all of us. Um, and, and, Lord, we look forward to the days ahead. Um, not because we're optimists, but because we know uh, we have a God who is for us and that you are already in the days ahead, showing us, leading us every step of the way. And we put uh, everything we have on that. In Christ's name we pray, amen.